Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. Had a little technical glitch last week, so that's why you didn't hear us last week. Um, but we are back with another victory podcast, and those are always the best. And the Niners beat the New York Giants and definitely beat them down uh, by 27 points. And it was a great team win, a, a win that featured a lot of backups, a, a win that featured a lot of improvisation by the coaching staff and a few people that we were hoping to get our eyes on that we didn't get a, we didn't get a chance to see earlier on this season, including Brandon Ayuk, obviously Nick Mullins, and other guys like Deion Jordan who joined the team and made an immediate impact. And Al, to me, I think that when the Niners can win games like this, and look, it was the Giants. They were without Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard, and those were their two main offensive weapons that Daniel Jones relied on. But when they can win a game like this with their depth and prove that they are a much deeper roster than they were back when Kyle Shanahan took over. And the quality difference is completely, it, it's a stark contrast from 2017 until now because there were backups playing back then too. But when they can win a game like this so dominantly and kind of just put it away right away and not let, let a bad team beat them, to me, it bodes well for the rest of the season when these guys come back, right? This was a must win in a lot of ways for the Niners because when you look at all the injuries that they have and, and they're going to play the rest of the season without Bosa, without Solomon Thomas, they have to beat teams like the Giants, right? They have to win these games. Mm-hmm. And they did. And they did convincingly. And it, and it was, this game was sort of in a lot of ways about, about the backups. And, and you mentioned, you know, Ayuk and a lot of guys made an impact, but I think we got to start out with, with Nick Mullins, who I was shocked. And like I said, we didn't have a show last week and it's definitely something I would have talked about. Dude, I was shocked at the lack of confidence in Mullins in some places that I saw. Absolutely mm-hmm. shocked. And, and I'll say this about Mullins, Zane. If you look at when he played in 2018, were there ups and downs? Absolutely, there were ups and downs. You know what I mean? With, without a doubt. But you're talking about a guy who was a 23-year-old undrafted free agent when he started those games. He got thrown into it. And I know that he threw 10 interceptions in the eight starts in 2018. But if you really look at the numbers, he actually just threw eight interceptable passes on 224, 274 attempts. So that's a 2.9% interceptable pass rate, which was good for sixth best in the league. He was fifth in the NFL in yards per attempt. He was fifth in bad throw percentage. He was first in, in yak yards per completion at 6.9 and seventh in yards per game. And he comes out and just plays. He, he's like, a, I think I saw somewhere where they wrote, he's like a computer, the way he goes to the offense. Mm-hmm. He you know, was a little rusty early, which is to be expected, but then he, he just flat out balled and he was 25 of 36 for 343 yards and a touchdown in his first start. And he now has the third most passing yards of any quarterback in NFL history through their first nine starts. He has been an absolute rock for this team in the backup position. The Niners basically do have, I, I think, if Garoppolo is out for a long time, if it does take three or four weeks, I'm completely confident with Nick Mullins. He does a tremendous job of running this offense. He can run the Kyle Shanahan offense to it perfectly. He does what's asked of him. He makes good reads. Do I think he's the type of quarterback? Is he a Russell Wilson, I always say, say, or Patrick Mahomes who could put the team on your back type thing? No. But within a system, to me, the guy's a starting quarterback in the NFL. He, I'm, 
Now, for the Niners, are really lucky to have him as a backup, and and he went in and did exactly what he had to do in week three. We talked about this at the beginning of the season in our training camp preview or our, our season preview podcast that we did where we're previewing the roster. And you mentioned how the Niners had probably arguably the, the best quarterback room in the league. And I, and I still believe that because not because necessarily, oh, well, these guys are franchise quarterbacks. I, I mean, I think Jimmy is, but not necessarily because of that, but because of the fact that they can both come in and win games consistently with Kyle Shanahan's system. And uh, it sucks because Nick Mullins is a free agent next year. I believe he's a free agent, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I don't think that he's staying. He's definitely not staying. He's earning himself a lot of money. But in the process, I, what this is doing, I hope it's lighting fire, fire under Jimmy. And we know how he played after the ankle injury. He was basically perfect after the ankle injury, aside from one throw uh, to read in the end zone. But maybe this will light enough, fire, enough of a fire under Jimmy to get him to go to that next level that we're all hoping him to achieve, like that MVP level. But like you said, off for now, I mean, 340, 43 yards just coming off the bench cold, basically, like having one half of work in a year and a half. I mean, that's fantastic. He was great. And people say, well, it was the Giants. Yeah, but like there have been better quarterbacks who have performed worse against teams like the Giants. And for Nick Malls to come in and command the offense and put up that many points and just, I know that he's operating with a, a limited playbook. And I know that Kyle Shanahan is making the, the, the reads easier for him, but for him to be able to execute it to the, the way that he did, it kind of reminds me of, I don't want to really make a direct comparison, but it kind of reminds me of the team that they're playing this week, Al. kind of reminds me of the Eagles when they had Nick Foles and Carson Wentz, when they beat Brady in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz went down with the injury, Nick Foles comes in, and he operates the offense just as well as, as Wentz did, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. I'm not, uh, you know, you know the prediction that I made that the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl this year, but. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I thought that, that Jimmy was a better quarterback than Wentz anyways. But to me, like I don't care if they win it with your punter as quarterback. Just win the damn trophy. And Nick Mullins is one of those guys like, you know what? If Jimmy goes down, yeah, he can win a couple of games for you because he, he's proven that. And ideally, that's what you want at your backup quarterback. Either babysit a game to the end and win it or come out and win a few games when your starting quarterback is out. Nobody's asking you to go undefeated. But just win a couple of games and, and, and be that bridge until the, the guys get back. And I think that he's doing a perfect job of that. In fact, we're at this, as of recording the show, we don't know Jimmy's status. He, he did not practice um, on, on uh, Wednesday, but I think that Jimmy's probably going to sit this week against the, the Eagles. And I, that's probably the right decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks that way. And, and how can you not be confident Mullins after what you saw? And if there's another good performance and, and Jimmy needs another week, you got Miami after that, right? So mm-hmm. let him go there too. Let him go there too, and, and let's see what happens. But you know, I I know there was um, at least some things I saw fans go a little crazy with the with the with the Jimmy versus Mullins thing. There is no quarterback controversy, and Shanahan came out and said that today. It's yeah. there's zero chance Mullins throws ten touchdown passes the next two weeks. There's you know Jimmy's Jimmy's a starter, so you can kind of get that out of the way. But look, it's 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 good to have two good quarterbacks, and that's where the Niners are right now. It is now. Sure, people say, well, you know, Jimmy played bad in week one. Okay, well, if he keeps playing bad, it's a different story. But Jimmy looked great in the first half in week two. Mm-hmm. So you would think he would come back and, and, and step in. And I, I think I think Jimmy would have played really well this week, too. It's not like, mm-hmm. like Mullins went in and did anything that I didn't think Garoppolo was capable of doing. Mm-hmm. One thing he did do that I do want to see Jimmy do more of is get the wide receivers involved. Mm-hmm. 
And we've been talking about the lack of production from wide receivers. And in this game, Brandon Ayuk, what a breakout game for him. Five catches, 70 yards. And Kendrick Bourne, four catches, 63 yards. He got, he got the receivers involved. Trent Taylor had a 20-yard reception. So that was really good to see. And Ayuk, Zane, on the, on the touchdown sweep that he had there, that was Debo, wasn't it? Oh. Did, didn't that remind you of Debo? Brian Baldinger had a breakdown of that play. And they ran it last year against, funny thing, Blake Martinez was, a, was on the Packers last year in, in the championship game. And, and uh, they ran that same play with Debo against him a couple times. And it fooled him then. And he is on the Giants this year as, as their linebacker and uh, fooled him again with the same exact play. And the way that Baldy broke it down, first of Baldy breakdowns, best thing, awesome thing to see. Uh, like the Monday after a game, Al, I look forward to those. Like I'm so anxious to see what he has to say. And hopefully he'd come on our show one day. That'd be awesome. You should get on our show. That's, that's a really good idea. I wonder if we can get him on. That's a good idea. I know we haven't been doing a lot of guests, but I'd, I'd like to have him on. He's awesome. He's fantastic. And I love his analysis. And basically what sold that play is if you follow use check, that's the way that people say how to stop the, the Vanders running game, follow 44. Mm-hmm. So use check takes a hard step to his left. Every, all the ashes going on, all the, all the offensive linemen use check. They all take a hard step left. Um, it's, it's almost like a counter where the running back also takes a hard step left. And it looks like it's a, it's basically like a, a, a run to the left. And you know, you have the receiver that's that's on the left kind of coming coming on the end around that takes the ball and all the action is going left. He goes right. You got a couple of guys that are pulling the opposite direction. There's a tight end and a guard, I think, that pull in the opposite direction, and you're basically running behind them. I mean, such a well designed play, and it worked. It worked in the Super Bowl as well. It worked uh, in the championship game. It worked last week, and I want to see more of that. And the fact that you've got two guys that are really similar in stature with Debo and Ayuk, I feel like Debo is a better. Uh, a, a better runner and he's better at breaking tackles, but Ayuk is more elusive and, and the faster sort of one out of them too, but they can both do the same exact stuff and you've got a clone of them. And this is exactly what I said when they, when they drafted Ayuk, that if Debo had goes down at any point, you've got a guy who has the same set of attributes that you don't have to change your offense around. And Ayuk was fantastic. He, he was catching the ball. He had the touchdown run. I feel like he's going to be a real threat. I can't wait this week. Debo's back this week as well, by the way. I can't wait to see both of them on the field at the same time. I cannot wait. You know what I was thinking too is, so in 49ers history, only two wide receivers have broken 100 yards rushing in a season. Rice did it. He had 187 in 1988, and Debo had 159 last year. I on pace for 165. And with a healthy Samuel, I wonder if they actually have two wide receivers do that in one season, mm-hmm. which would be yeah. crazy. Yeah. Wouldn't put it against them. It's only you know what eight yards a game or something like that. If if they're keeping them both involved in in the in the running game, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see that. It's it's cool the way that Shanahan's using his receivers in the running game. He gets really creative that way. Another person, you know, we talked about wide receivers stepping up with Debo out and and Ayuk getting his his feet underneath them. Trent Taylor to me has still been a, a disappointment. I feel like when are we going to see this guy that we keep hearing about in training camp? Mm-hmm. right who's the safety blanket and makes all these catches we haven't seen it but one thing we have seen is somebody excuse me that i've been calling a role player for a while now and maybe he's a little more than that kendrick Bourne. i know he had a couple drops but he does make plays too and he's on pace for it won't stay this way when debo comes back but he's on pace for about 875 yards this year kendrick Bourne. so he's come in and, he, and he's, he's he's done some good things and actually I, I say the drops but there were some balls that jimmy missed him on in week one too so he could have had a much better game Kendrick Bourne has been a very pleasant surprise, maybe not a surprise to some people, but I'll tell you what, man, he's, he's ended up being a really solid player for the Niners. 
Yeah, I remember being a little bit critical of him after week one and saying that he's not going to be more than the three. But you know what? He is He is a pretty good three. He's a pretty good chain mover. We know that he's good in the red zone, uh, as, as uh, he's shown in the past. But I think that he's becoming more reliable now. The drops have decreased uh, very drastically. And the mental errors they used to make with running the wrong route and things like that, those seem to have decreased as well. So he's one of those guys that worked hard. We saw him working hard in the offseason. We know that, that he has uh, unbridled enthusiasm for the team, and he's one of those energy guys. I think he's kind of carved out a little niche for himself as a number three on this team and, and is basically like a spot starter and, and is ahead of everybody besides Ayuk and Debo in the pecking order because of that. He's past Taylor. He's past Pettis. Jalen Hurd and Jennings are, are non-factors, but I think that Bourne, basically your top three are, are solidified now. And where Bourne came from, like he was, he, he kind of showed up in Jimmy's first year and Jimmy was fighting him on and off. And we're like, all right, it's going to be good. He had an okay 2018 kind of had a much better season last year. And now it's like, all right, like, can he make the next jump to being like that chain mover that we were, we hoped that Trent Taylor would be? Uh, I think that everybody kind of saw Trent Taylor with, and Jimmy in his first year here, and they saw the chemistry that they had. And like, well, they can be really great together. And then Taylor had a multiple, he had multiple injuries. And to be honest, Al, I think that the, you know, the Oregon trail, like the game we all play as kids on, on the old Mac computers and stuff. I'm dating myself here, but where you get dysentery and die. Yeah, exactly. You get yeah. dysentery and die. Like, oh, Al's out of dysentery. Like the chain, the train moves on, right? Like you just bury, you know, bury him, and the train moves on. I think that's kind of what happens. Is that, you know, Trent Taylor's been out for so long, and the the train has kind of moved on without him. And Jimmy's found other guys that he's comfortable with. And I, I hate to say that, but like they've sort of found that he's replaceable based on the fact that they've been so out, out so far and so long without him. So, born pleasant surprise, Taylor. Yeah, I'm disappointed, but I never thought that. Like, I, I heard people on Twitter, like, oh, he's going to go for a thousand yards. I'm like, come on, man. He hasn't averaged 10 yards a catch. So, really, I don't care where the production comes from. It seems like it's coming from Bourne. Uh, Jordan Reed, who we didn't touch on, is another guy who, I mean, out six. Yeah, it's a huge loss. Duali played well, but it's a huge loss. Yeah, Reed, and Reed that, is playing great. And I think that Kittle is, is probably rushing himself back a week earlier than he should have been back because of the fact that they don't have any tight ends and they really can't. I mean, I would love to see, I think they signed one today. I forget who it was, um, but I would love to have seen Delaney Walker out here. But I think that at this point, Kittle is healthy enough to go. So they're going to make him go. But yeah, that stupid MetLife turf, that garbage turf. Mm. I mean, burn that, you live in New York, burn that freaking stadium in the ground, man. Seriously. Yeah, man. really. It's just, it's just unbelievable. It's really another victim. Jordan Reed's out six to eight weeks, and now that's another safety blanket for Jimmy and Mullins that's gone. It's, it's unfortunate. So with Debo back, hoping that they can, they can make up for it. Yeah, and one more person I want to touch on in the offense was, you know, McKinnon. We, we talked about him last show, and, and, and he he's, he's continues to make plays. He continues to score for this team, and it's been a great story. Really happy what I've seen out of McKinnon. But really an unsung guy on this team has been Jeff Wilson Jr., mm-hmm. who just keeps making plays. He, he didn't, I, I think he only had something like 12 carries for 15 yards, something along those lines. But, he, but he made plays out of the passing game and he scored two touchdowns. And Jeff Wilson Jr. has seven touchdowns on 47 total touches since the beginning of 2019. Mm-hmm. Five rushing and two receiving. Again, he's just been a tremendous role player. And if you said to me, McKinnon's banged up. If you said to me, Al, Jeff Wilson's got to carry the load on Sunday night. I'm okay with it. We saw him do it his first season. I believe it was against Denver where he had 23 carries and 90-something yards. We've seen him do it. He's a good running back. He's just buried on this team. 
But Wilson, I've been really impressed with him. When they call his number, you think of last year when he won that game um, against the Cardinals where he had that catch at the end. He makes plays, Zane. He makes plays for the team. I thought that the first game that they had, that fourth and goal where Mostert got it up the middle and they got kind of blown up, I thought that Jeff Wilson should have, should have gotten the ball. Uh, he was active for that game, but I thought he should have gotten the ball. He feels like, it feels like he's a better power runner than any of them. And, oh, for sure. Yeah, he's the best short of yardage back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that he should have got the ball there. And the guy just has a nose for the end zone. He's one of those guys that kind of is a wild card. And back when we had the Super Bowl show, I was hoping that he would have a, a bigger role than he did. He did have that one catch for 20 yards that, that was a fantastic play call and a fantastic play by him to get a first down and third and long. But really, I, I feel like they should feature him more. And with Tevin Coleman kind of being out and his contract coming up at the end of this year, which I don't think they're going to renew. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot more of Jeff Wilson. You'll see them maybe start phasing Tevin Coleman out and you'll see, start seeing more of Jeff Wilson. And to me, like he is a guy that can kind of do it all, but he's never really gotten a chance to show it outside of like 10 snaps a game. And that's fine. That's how Kyle Shanahan likes to use his running backs, but don't be surprised because the way that Kyle Shanahan and, and Bobby Turner kind of, uh, have their running back, Bobby Turner, the running back coach, the longtime running back coach from the Mike Shanahan days with the Broncos. It's a running back by committee show. It's Jarek McKinnon now because Mostert is out. It was Mostert when he was healthy. Um, it was Matt Breed at one point. And I think that Jeff Wilson will get it, will get a shot to kind of be a bell cow at some point this year while Mostert recovers. And you're going to see what they can do. They don't really have a guy that's going to rush for like a thousand yards. They're going to have a bunch of guys that rush for. Yeah, like 500 yards, 400 yards, 300 yards. You won't see it. You won't see one guy really dominating the stat sheet. But Jeff Wilson, that to, to me, he he's buried on the depth chart because of that, because of that reason. But because he does play in the Shanahan offense, I, I include Mike Shanahan in this too. But he he plays in the Shanahan offense, so he will get a chance at some point to get an extended look. And I think that when he does get that extended look, a lot of people will be happy with what they see. They'll see more of. Uh, what we've seen in a small sample size. And, and the rushing stats to me, I'll, they're kind of skewed this year because the offensive line just has not been very good at run blocking. And a lot of the things, a lot of the, the yardage that they gain are, are on the big Mostert plays and the big McKinnon plays. But to a man, like they, they've been vastly underachieving compared to last year in run blocking. So I think that because of that, Wilson's stats and all the other running backs, their stats have suffered. But if they can get that sorted out, if Richburg ever gets healthy, and they can maybe move um, Garland over or they can figure out what's going on, on the right side of the offensive line, you'll see every, all of the running backs do a lot better, Jevils included. And as the season moves on too, I think in a lot of ways, I was just talking to my dad about this today, that it still kind of feels like this is preseason. You know, mm-hmm. teams are kind of working things out a little bit that they would have done. And people want to say the preseason doesn't matter. And, and maybe I was even in that camp last year, but seeing this year, it, does matter. I don't think it, we need four games, but I think it does matter to some degree in terms of the injuries and in terms of some of the play that we've seen, especially the offensive line play. I think it does matter. Another thing that we talked about that we that I really wanted to see was was how Robert Sala was going to do with some of these stars out. And last year, look, he was the rising star, right? The defensive coordinator, and he had a lot of talent. And there was the time towards the end of the season when they were a little bit banged up and they were a little bit tired and they didn't look so good all the time. And they had some, some games where you're like, Oh, what is he doing? And then in the playoffs, they did well again, but sometimes at the end of games, you're like, okay, you know, he's, he's being too conservative, whatever. I want to see how he was going to do. 
with people out. I know it's the Jets and the Giants. I know they're absolute garbage, but look, two road games in the NFL are never easy. And the defense played great in both games, right? Really well without these stars. And I have to say, so we'll we'll see how they do against other teams as it goes on. But so far, so good with Salah. I've, I've been impressed with what he did the last two weeks. Yeah, I think that now, um, and the funny thing is I was talking with my dad about the same thing. <laughs> and this is kind of funny because we didn't talk about this before the show, but it just so happened that both of us talked to our dads about this uh, separately. But I talked to him about the fact that Kyle Shannon, of course, has grown up, I think, uh, this year as a coach. You don't see him as stubborn with things. He was stubborn in week one, but I think he quickly realized because of the numbers and the dwindling health of his team, he couldn't do that anymore. And he was markedly better against the last two opponents that they had in New York. But Salah, same thing. You no longer have the talent to be able to say, you know what, I'm just going to out-talent you on defense and I'll throw any scheme out there and we're just going to beat you because we're bigger, faster, stronger than anybody on the, on, that we're facing on the other side. He's now having to scheme things up, things up to be able to win games. He's now having to put players in a position that will suit them best to be able to win games with all of the injuries that he had specifically to the edge rushers. He's having to bring pressure where he didn't bring pressure before. He's having to blitz his linebackers where he didn't like blitzing his linebackers before. He would usually bring a safety or corner. He's having to play man coverage when he usually likes playing zone. So he's having to adapt his scheme to the injuries that the team has had. And to me, Al, that's when a coach really gets better. It's when you actually have to scheme things up and you realize what works and what doesn't. And you have to decide when to call things as opposed to just running a defense out there and be like, all right, they're just more talented than you and we're just going to beat you. And I'm on autopilot out here on the sideline because I just know my guys are better. At this point, you can't do that anymore. Sherman's out. Both your edge rushers are out. Solomon Thomas is out. Drake Greenlaw was out last game. Uh, Mosley went down with a concussion. And basically, the only group that's unaffected by injuries, knock on wood, is the safety group so far. Mm -hmm. So because of that, you are forced to, what was the the line for Moneyball, Billy Bean? Well, Brad Pitt's play adapt or die, basically, right? That's what he said. Mm -hmm. So now Robert Sala is forced to become an actual coach and not just a spectator which I feel like he was last year at times. And because of that, he's been much, much better in the last two weeks than he has, I think, at any point uh, during his tenure with the 49ers because he can't rely on talent. Uh, I remember in the first year that he came in here, he didn't have much talent on the defensive line or on any part of the defense, and it, and it killed him. And the same thing when, in 2018. He didn't have very much talent to work with outside of Sherman and a lot of unknowns. And last year was really the first year we really got to see the Niners' defense pretty good, like really good. And mm-hmm. a lot of that was because of the, the talent that they added and D Ford and Kyle Alexander and, and Greenlaw, uh, Nick Bosa, obviously Mosley was a pleasant surprise. So really the question that we had about him was like, okay, how good of a coach is he and how much does he rely on talent? And we're starting to find out that he's learning, he's learned a thing or two. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. And Chris Kosurik too. Am I saying his oh. last name right? I always say his last name wrong. Yep. yep. Defensive line coach for the Niners unbelievable job so far and listen i as much as we love fangio terrific defensive coordinator jimmy t man you know was a terrific mm-hmm. defensive line coach the niners always had a good defensive line right always really well coached feel like it's that way again yeah i feel like he is he is a huge asset to this team mm-hmm. huge you know and the way you can tell is remember when the niners obviously you know they had justin smith but Ray McDonald got coached up. Remember every nose tackle they kind of plugged in that three four. Whether it was Sepoaga or who else am I forgetting? Who's another big nose tackle? Ian Williams is another one. There was another one I think I'm forgetting too. Uh, but you know those guys, those guys yeah. that they wrote in 2011. They always had a good defensive line, right? Mm-hmm. 
with Jimmy T. Kind of feels that way now too. You had look Nick Bosa. You're never going to replace Nick Bosa. You're just not. Mm. Not going to happen. D Ford is a speed rusher again. Makes a big impact. Well, I'll hit on him in a second. But now you got guys like Kerry Hyder, who had eight sacks one year in Detroit with Kosurik. Never really did anything other than that. He's got two sacks already. Played pretty well. Deion Jordan, this huge disappointment, right? And he's been on the Niners practice squad. He comes in and gets a sack last week. And, and let's see what happens from here on out. These guys are kind of stepping up, right? And you still mm-hmm. got DJ Jones there. You still have Eric Armstead there, who's now the anchor for this line. Pretty impressive so far. Pretty impressive what we've seen. And hopefully Ronald Blair is on his way back. So maybe they could still kind of piecemeal this thing together and make it work. So I'm really impressed with Sirk and, and the job that he's done. He's a great hire for, for a regime that, Really knows what they're doing in terms of building a winner here. I'm, I've been impressed with all this, but did one hit on Ford Zane because look, I know the Niners is not going to be back for a while. You and I knew when it happened. Yeah, we had heard some stuff that it was going to be bad, and um, we kind of heard that maybe it was going to be a while, and it looks like it's going to be a while. And at this point, with Ford, listen, we know the impact he's had when he's on the field, but the guy had knee issues before. Now it's a back thing. If it's as bad of a back thing as we think it might be, who knows what this is going to do for his career. Makes a lot of money. I mean, it's it's not looking good right now, right? Yeah, I, I don't think so. And yeah, I don't want to repeat what you said, but yeah, we, we did know about this like way well ahead of the reports that came out that said it's going to be a long-term thing. And I it, the trade at the time was, it made sense. And when he's on the field, he was a huge asset to Nick Bosa, particularly because he was able to eat up blocks and free up Bosa from the other side. And uh, he had a pretty good Super Bowl as well, which is why you brought him here. Um, was held constantly the entire game, but I mean, like you know, they didn't call it, so it's not his fault that, that he didn't show up on the stat sheet very much. But he was getting back there and getting to Mahomes. But it's just to me, it, it's one of those things where you can't control. I, I like D Ford. I think that he was a, a great asset, but like, I, it's one of those things you can't control where a guy is constantly injured. And he had he had arthritis in his knee, I believe. And um, the Niners made the trade knowing that they're like, all right, well, that's a problem that he can manage. And he did manage that this offseason much better. He had to clean up procedure, and he said he was feeling better. But the, anything that has to do with the neck or the back or anything like that, like those, those are impact injuries in football, and that's not that has nothing to do with how uh, injury prone a player is because you can get the most you get the toughest guy out there that rarely gets injured like michael urban had one of those uh Peyton manning had one of those and really it's it's a 50 50 as far as a guy can play right like we're not doctors but and when this happens at this stage in his career 30 plus years old and you have a neck injury you have to start weighing out your options like all right well is this going to be uh you know like a lifetime thing do i want to be a little walk and, and play with my kids and all this stuff or can I possibly play again so for the 49ers fans that are hoping that he's going to get out there soon it's not uh, I don't think it's going to happen this is a long-term thing and that's why they brought in Ziggy Ansah who's also uh, played on Chris Kucerich by the way um, yep. but that's why they brought in Ziggy Ansah who, who had a pretty decent game you know these guys take time to get going pass rushers when they're in a new system but I just think that uh, you're going to have to rely on the guys that are there at this point. There's not going to be anybody on the free agent market that's like a, a market improvement over what they have right now. So you're going to have to rely on guys like Javon Kinlaw. By the way, shout out to Javon Kinlaw. He's been really good the last two weeks. He has been. He has been. And it's yep. been a really pleasant surprise. Because after the first week, you're like, oh, Kinlaw's doing nothing. Although he did have a good game, but like they, they questioned the PFF uh, metrics. And they're like, oh, he didn't show up on the statue, so whatever. But 
He was really good against the Giants. He was good against the Giants and really good against the Giants. Like he's getting penetration. He's batting balls down. He's stopping yeah. the run. And he's been a pleasant surprise for me. So, uh, you know, I don't want to pivot away from D4 to his serious situation. But Javon Kinlaw, man, I'm, I'm super stoked to see him play. And they're going to need it. They're going to need it with these guys out. And I know there's a lot of talk in the offseason, oh, uh, or in training camp. He looks like a bust. Come on. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody saw it. And, and even the first game, it could take him a whole first season. And we, we made the comparison to Buckner, who it took a while for him that first full season. Mm-hmm. He, where he had some issues and then he ended up taking off and, and Kinlaw's look great. And if he can come in and step up and pick up some slack, it's, it's, it's going to be huge for this team. Now, did you see, all right. So 2020 has been a punch in the gut for most of us. Right. Mm-hmm. But did anybody, has anybody had a worse week than Kyle Nelson? Oh man. This, dude, <laughs> like, first of all, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I should have been, cause you don't pay attention to the long snapper, right? Unless oh. it's bad. Like it was this past week, but I didn't really know he was on the hot seat. Maybe, again, maybe I just wasn't seeing things. But he obviously had a terrible game on Sunday, and he's gone. Just like that. He's gone. And, and Kyle said today, that, or today yesterday, that, yeah, there were some issues. It was kind of some stuff brewing, so maybe he was struggling for a while. And I know it, it, he's had some other issues. But, dude, bad game and, and into the curb, man. 2020, Kyle Nelson. Done. Done. Yeah. He was one of two players left from the Jim Harbaugh regime. You know who the other one is? Ward, right? Yeah, Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward? That's easy. Wow. That's an easy one. But yeah, Jimmy Ward is the last player now left from the cash, the, the, the uh, Jim Harbaugh regime. And that just shows you how far the roster has come and uh, what a great job Lynch and Shannon have done and Adam Peters, Martin Reedy, what they've all done uh, to be able to build this roster up. But that's just the, the life of a long snapper. I remember uh, NFL Films did a documentary on long snappers. Remember NFL Films used to do stuff like Steve Sable and like all that stuff. They used to actually yeah. like, you know, do doc- fun documentaries instead of just replaying like games all day and red zone and stuff. Um, so they did a documentary on long snappers and how it's best. If you're anonymous, if you're a long snapper, nobody should ever know your name. If people right, know you're right. Don't even know you're there. Exactly. That means, that means you messed up. And uh, Trey Junkin, who was a, a long time, really good long snapper for the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, uh, I think he played with the Cowboys for, for a bit. I think. Um, was he the giant I'm, snapper? Yeah. Three game. Signed with the, for the playoffs with the Giants. Oh, I see we're going with this. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Go ahead. No, you're good. No, all good. All good. I'm glad. I'm glad that because because it would have been bad if people like who is that guy. So yeah, it's nice that that people will understand then when I when I talk about this. So signed with the Giants for the playoffs uh, in 2003, uh, 2003, Sorry, and um, was retired. Came out of retirement. The game, of course, as we know, as we cannot forget, was the best comeback in. NFC playoff history, the best comeback, playoff comeback in 49ers history in terms of number of points that they were down. And it came down to a field goal. And Junkin botched a snap. And uh, the Giants ended up aborting and they couldn't make a play on it. And the game was over. So after that game, he was like, man, I feel terrible. I came out of retirement for this. I feel bad for him. He's like, I was, I was fine, you know, living a life peacefully. And now everybody's going to remember my name forever. And he was, he was pretty distraught. Yeah. Kyle Nelson had trouble all game long. Like, so I had to go back and watch the game because I missed it initially. I was out um, in Chicago, but um, I, I went back and every single snap seemed like it was a, an adventure for Wisnowski to put down. Two aborted uh, kicks, a missed uh, kick by Gold because the snap wasn't down right, and I think that was it for Kyle Shannon. We and don't don't forget Kyle Nelson's already been suspended last year for PEDs. Right, so. Yeah. 
this was probably the last draw for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he may or may not end up back on the team, but they they've moved on for now. And honestly, I like this is the last thing. You're you're a Super Bowl contending team with a ton of injuries, and the last thing you want to worry about right now when you're trying to scrape by wins is your long snapper getting the ball down in a crucial moment uh, or delivering the ball to your to your holder in a crucial moment when you need to win a game. It's the last thing you need to worry about. So it sucks, but I get it. He was he was definitely having issues. So I know everybody's been worried about the Niners and their injuries and. We're going to be able to win games with Jimmy out and things like that. And obviously they, like we said, when Sherman got hurt, if he's going to get hurt, Jets and the Giants are two good teams for him to be hurt about. And he, obviously he's still out, but I was a little bit worried originally when the schedule came out with this, this Eagles game. And I'm like, well, you know, good offense. Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. The Eagles have been awful this year. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Redskins, who I think are awful in their own right, 27-17. But week one's fluky, right? Rams killed them at home. Rams are good, but still. Then they go on, they tie Cincinnati last week. And now, okay, trouble's a brewing, right? They're going to the Niners, going across the country to play the Niners on Sunday night this week. And I went and I just looked at the Eagles because I think I, I was a fan of Carson. I, you know, not I would say a fan, but I just I thought Carson Wentz was a good player. Um, he had a really good year, obviously, a couple of years ago. And I know he's been hurt and banged up and things like that. But the whole Philadelphia offense has been horrible. And I went up and looked, looked some stats up. Um, for the Eagles. And I want to, Zane, I want to read you this. This is ugly stuff. I did not realize it was this ugly. Wentz has a 59.8% completion rate this year. He's got three touchdowns and six picks. His yards per attempt is 5.6. It's atrocious. Hmm. It's absolutely atrocious. And I looked, all right, well, who's he throwing to here? So Zach Ertz is the leading receiver on the team. He has 15 catches for 130 yards. It's 8.7 yards per reception. The second is Greg Ward. He's got 14 catches, 108 yards, 7.7 per reception. Dallas Goddard, who's broke his ankle, he's not playing, was the third receiver. He actually averaged over 10 yards a catch. And then Deshaun Jackson, um, 10 catches for 121 yards, 12 yards per catch. Everybody else is under 10 yards a catch. Jalen Rieger, who also might be hurt. I don't know if he is or not, but he's five for 96. But everybody else on the team is under 10 yards of reception. He's been sacked 11 times. This is an offense that's reeling reeling and we know what the Niners can do they, they we know the Niners are going to score but you want you know we were worried about the defense with the injuries I think this is another week where they're getting a team that's reeling and I I was shocked dude shocked that Philly's playing that bad right now so there's a list of, of players uh on the Eagles that did not that missed at least one practice this week uh JJ Arcega Whiteside wide receiver guard Jamon Brown illness uh, Fletcher Cox, all-world defensive tackle. Uh, he has an abdominal issue. Uh, tackle Jack Driscoll. Um, safety Rudy Ford. Deshaun Jackson, like you mentioned. Um, cornerback Avante Maddox. Uh, Jason Peters, a tackle, all-world tackle, has mispracticed. Trevor Williams has a rib injury. And um, there are several other players that are limited, including uh, I think Alshon Jeffrey was limited. Uh, Jason Kelsey was limited, their center. Miles Sanders, their starting running back, was limited. So this injury bug that you're seeing that the Niners are having is slowly making its way across the league. The difference is that the Niners got injured before anybody else, so hopefully they can get healthy before anybody else. And uh, Rigor is out. He's he's on IR, by the way. So, okay, um, yeah, I thought so. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're playing a really wounded team, and this is the type of team that Carson Wentz, I mean, he's had his moments, and I, I don't know what happened with him. Like, he just never – He's one of the guys like I guess Mariota is very similar, right? Where he had he had like a really good run and all of a sudden kind of declined a little bit. And we don't know why. 
um, possibly because of injuries, possibly because of other stuff like talent surrounding him. But I, I Carson Wentz is like a really interesting guy to me because I thought he was really good coming out of college and and he had that good first year and and then got injured as we know and then mm-hmm. took over and won the Super Bowl. But you just haven't seen that level of play out of him since. And we don't. I don't know why. Like I'm not going to complain because the Niners are playing the Eagles this week and and I hope they win. But I just don't know why. And it seems like he has weapons around him. Like Dallas Goddard is another guy who's a fantastic tight end, uh, young tight end, and is, is they've got probably, in my opinion, the best tight end room in, in football with Ertz and and Goddard, the best one to well, not, not anymore though. Goddard's out for a while. Yeah, not anymore. But but before that, and and Wentz just wasn't able to put it together. So they play in the worst division in football. <laughs> and and to be honest, like the, the Niners should win this game, even with Mullins uh, playing and, and starting. And even with all the injuries that they have, it's it's a home game. And the next three, by the way, are, are at home, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good yep. break for them. Um, but really, like, if you want to sit out, if you wanted to sit out Kittle, if Jordan Reed was healthy, I think Kittle would have sat this game. Um, Jimmy's probably not going to play. I think Sherman sits. And uh, Witherspoon uh, is, is going to play. And, and uh, Mosley still has that issue that he was dealing with, too. So I think that, like, you have a bunch of guys that are probably going to sit. Uh, because Philadelphia is a, a wounded team and you should win this game. But if you let them hang around, they're going to bite you. The way that Arizona hung around, like the Niners are a better team than Arizona at that point before the injuries. They're a better team. And they let them hang around and they, and they ended up losing that game. You have to bury teams like this. If they're right. wounded and you're better than them, bury them. And they need to come out right away, get a lead, and maintain that lead and do not let them back in the game. That's what they did with the Giants, right? It was kind of close for a little bit there, but then they pulled away and they didn't let them back in the game. And that was it, right? And that's what they need to do against Philadelphia too. And there are only six teams. Just curious, I'm looking at more Eagle stats now. There are only six teams in the NFL who are averaging under five yards per play. Giants are at 4.7. Broncos are at 4.6. Washington's, again, Washington, pick a freaking name. Oh my God, with this Washington football team. Anyway, (laughs) 4.5. Philadelphia's 4.5. Jets are 4.5. And Cincy's 4.2. So these are some, that's a pretty anemic offense, it seems like they're playing. I don't see any weapons on that team. I don't see them breaking out this week. So the Niners, Niners are averaging, because somebody was wondering, by the way, 5.9. They're um, tied for 12th in yards per play. But I don't see any weapons on that team. And the Niners, man, listen, for all, they're really banged up. They're starting to get healthy, right? Kittle's coming back. We think Debo might be back this week. We'll see when Jimmy's coming back, maybe against Miami. We'll see. We've got the Eagles this week. The way it looks at home, got to think a win, right? And then you got Miami at home. If they go into that Rams game four and one, even with all the injuries they have, you got to feel good, right? I mean, it's, it's it's a positive feeling, right? Yeah, I said that when they when these guys all got injured, I was like, okay, well, at least the schedule. There's a little bit. We we don't like to call them soft spots, but there's a soft spot. There's a cushy spot in the schedule, and they they hit it right now. And if they, I said at the time, when, you know, if they go four and one before they hit the Rams game, I think they'll be okay. And eventually, Al, the, the division will come back to you. Look, we saw this this past week. All of the teams should have lost. I mean, Seattle, I, I want to talk about Russell Wilson in a second, but Seattle should have lost at least one of the games against New England or Dallas or both. Um, they're teetering on the edge of disaster because their defense is the worst, literally the worst defense in the league. So that's not going to, that's not going to maintain. Um, Kyler Murray had a, had a hiccup and they inexplicably lost to Detroit and the Rams, uh, as we know, lost as well. So 
everybody is going to come back to you. So you just need to hang in there long enough so that when they start losing, because look, Seattle's not going undefeated. The other teams aren't going 15 and one. You just have to hang in there until those losses for those other teams pile up. That's really what it is. It's, it's survival at this point. And with that extra playoff seed, I don't care how you get in at this point. Just get in because we don't know what the what the the whole fan aspect is going to be in this and that. Like if you mm-hmm. play a playoff game on the road and there are no fans, all of a sudden it becomes a different game. So just get into the tournament this year. It's weird. It's odd. Anything can happen, and it's possible that you know all four teams get in from the NFC West because it's to me the best division of football and by record it is the best the best division of football. So. If you can get to that Rams game, and I don't want to overlook Miami because Ryan Fitzpatrick and all that stuff and Matt Breida and his return game, all those things. but Can't look overlook anything, sure. Agreed, yep. yep. Yeah, so I think that really, to not be cliche, but like one week at a time, if they can beat the Eagles this week, which I think they will, and you have Miami next week, and if they keep losing, you have to wonder at some point, like at what point are they going to go to Tua? Like, what is it too early to go to Tua? And if he's right. playing you and it's its first game, they're going to get him alive because it's the first game of the league. And they don't necessarily have very many weapons on offense. So without looking too far ahead, 4-1 and one isn't out of the question. Um, you should win these next two games because you're the more talented team. But as we know, the more talented, talented team doesn't always win the NFL. So they can't overlook it. Got to bring your A game. You know Doug Peterson is a good offensive mind. He's going to be bringing it. By the way, speaking of Doug Peterson, it's funny that like you have these sort of so-called wizard uh, offensive minds like Doug Peterson and Sean McVay and, and Kyle Shanahan, but they seem to get found out with the exception of Shanahan. Everybody seems to have found out Doug Peterson and Sean McVay isn't this, at the same level that he was, you know, a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and everybody's calling him a genius and everybody started poaching coaches from the Sean McVay coaching tree. It's funny how that happens where there's certain offensive minds that just stick like, a uh, Kyle Shanahan or a Josh McDaniels and other guys are just like a flash in the pan. They're great right. for a couple of years and they're gone. Like Lamar Jackson, you're seeing that now that, that he's struggling now because Greg Roman, as we've said on the show, <laughs> Greg Roman is not a great offensive mind. He's a great uh, schemer uh, for a couple of years, but if people are onto him and stop his tricks, he doesn't have, he only has a limited bag of tricks and he's not, he's not good after that. So Doug Peterson, like, I have to wonder, like, yeah, I don't trust him because he'll come up with some funky trick play. But if it's a man-to-man game and if it's, like, a one-to-one sort of ratio of, like, talent versus talent, then I should win. I know you said we don't want to look ahead, but now I'm looking ahead. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. But, so, yeah, I think, I think the Niners are going to be 4-1. and one, And then, man, the next five games make the season. Brutal. So you're yeah. – I know we, we – we, <laughs> We already did. We already did picks, but that that seems like a, a lifetime ago now. Yeah. So say say they're four and one, right? Mm-hmm. Say for argument's sake, you got the Rams at home, at the Patriots, who met. I, th- I thought they were going to be mm-hmm. at the Seahawks, who you might be talking about, if not the best player in the league, the second best player in the league, and Wilson, or best quarterback. Packers, who look great, and the Saints, who don't look so good, but that's the stretch, man. Right. That's the stretch. But if you go in four and one, even if it's a disaster and you go one and four there, so what, you're five and five? Yeah. And then you got to try to finish strong. If nine and seven gets you in, but that Bills game doesn't look easy anymore because Bills look great, mm-hmm. I think. Josh Allen looks unbelievable. 
It's here. Um, it's 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 at home. It's, right? a, it's in San Francisco. Yeah. 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 And I guess we don't know what's going to happen. Then Washington's a win. Dallas doesn't look great. They should beat the Cardinals the next time around. See, actually, you're right. I guess we got to kind of see what Seattle ends up being. I mean, Wilson is Wilson, but I agree the defense is kind of garbage. The defense um, is terrible. Like like Kyle and Jimmy are going to light that defense up. They have nothing. Yeah, they, they that have offense. And that offense scares me. Yeah, it does. So uh, I is- just think. Wilson's gotten to the point where now I hate saying this because I hate his he's a cheese ball and he's corny and I, I never thought he was going to end up being this good but he's like Peyton Manning Aaron Rodgers I'm scared to death of you level right now like honestly I'm more scared of him than Mahomes because look well we saw the Niners shut Mahomes down for three and a half quarters right mm-hmm. But Wilson's just the Niners have issues with those quarterbacks who can kind of just scramble all over the place. Like Murray kind of gives them fits, right? They can shut Murray down for four straight drives and Murray runs around and shit. And it's like, you know what I mean? Wilson can do the same thing. Wilson scares me. Wilson might scare me more than any player in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say you're probably right. I, I'm going to say it. It's, it's probably any player in the NFL he scares me more than right now. Yeah. And I think the way that you beat them, first of all, I, I don't. Personally, I don't think he's going to be able to carry them the entire season. Like, it's just he's getting hammered every week, every single week. Like, he has no offensive line. Uh, Chris Carson is out for a couple of weeks now with that that leg injury that was a cheap shot by that uh, Dallas player. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. I mean, that's that Bush League, even though it was against the Seahawks, and they've injured several 49ers players, some permanently, um, with cheap shots. I, I, I don't condone that sort of thing. It's wrong, right? Like, you can't, you know, like a spade is a spade, right? You can't be, you can't yeah. be doing that. But Russell Wilson, like that's that's literally what an MVP does, right? Like you elevate your team to win, and that's what he's done constantly. Like when so Dallas scored the field goal, and when they scored the field goal, I'm like, come on, man, what are you doing here? You need you need to play for the touchdown, and on top of that, you left way too much time on the clock. It was a one point lead. I'm like, there's no way in hell that Russell Wilson does not complete this comeback. It's freaking Russell Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. If you had a ten point lead at that point, I'd be like, oh, he's still completing that comeback, especially in Seattle where crazy stuff happens. So he's that he's the one guy that's the equalizer for that team. There is no one player that's more important to their team than Russell Wilson. You put another quarterback into Kansas City, they're still a playoff team. They're still an above 500 team. You take Russell Wilson off the Seahawks, they're winning three games. <laughs> You're probably right. Like they, yeah. they don't have anything. Like they have DK Metcalf right now and Lockett, but Russell Wilson makes them. Like you can't put another quarterback in there and be like, all right, this guy's going to win us a bunch of games, especially with that defense. Who is yeah, on you look pace at the- to give up almost? <laughs> get this out. So the defense is on pace to give up almost seven thousand yards passing. They're giving up four hundred yards passing a game, dude. Right. You can't. You can't do that in this league and win. So there's going to be some team that's going to come up in the playoffs and beat them because that team will show up on defense or show up to make a play when Seattle's defense won't be able to. Because they don't have, they don't have the numbers, and now you're seeing injuries. Bruce Irvin's out for the year. They lost their uh, slot cornerback for the year. Jamal okay. Adams the groin injury, which those injuries are, are nagging. Bobby Wagner's a shallowless former self, and is clearly declining. KJ Wright, same thing. They don't have any pass rush. Jamal Adams is their best pass rusher, so I'm not afraid of Seattle's defense. I'm afraid of Russell Wilson. And if you can keep them on the sideline, that's how you're going to beat them. And a team like the 49ers that can run the ball, that can consistently run it, that can uh, keep them off balance with short throws, that's how you're going to win. If you're going to do a track meet with them, you're not going to. And Carson's a loss for them in, in the receiving game, too. Like he's got three receiving touchdowns, and we know about Metcalf and Lockett. But beyond that, he's throwing at David Moore, Greg Olson, 
or the guy who used to be Greg Olson, Will Disley, Freddie Swain, Jacob Hollister. You know, these aren't names that jump out at you, but despite that, he's 79 of 103 this season, 77%. He's got 24 incompletions and 14 touchdown passes. I mean, the first three games, he's been on another level. I think right now, him and Josh Allen are probably your two MVPs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, Mahomes is Mahomes too, but. Yeah. Even Josh Josh Allen. I mean, like, yeah, he's been good. Like, like Russell Wilson's been out of this world. Yes. But the Bills hadn't had a 300-yard passer in something like 50 years. I don't even know. (laughs) This is Jim Kelly. And he's throwing for 312, 415, and 311. So this guy's like a hero in Buffalo right now. He really is. He's in three games, and he's another one. He's just he's he's been fantastic. Um, he's got what is it? I'm trying to think of his sets. He's got over a thousand yards passing already. Just yeah. just crazy, just absolutely crazy. So good for the Bills, man. They finally got a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for them. And I thought I kind of thought I kind of thought Josh Allen was going to be garbage because I didn't think he was accurate. But he's complete. Mm-hmm. So we completed fifty something percent of his passes last two two years. He's at seventy one percent right now. Ten touchdowns, one interception. So there's some guys balling out right now. It's it's, it's yeah. good to see. Um, it's good for the league to have the young quarterbacks do that. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is like no preseason. So there's certain aspects that are ahead and certain aspects are behind. Like nobody's playing defense, man, this year. Nobody. Niners kind of are. I feel like the Niners kind of are. That's my point, though. The Niners are still a top five defense right now. Right. Nobody's playing defense. The Niners, despite all their injuries are a top five defense because nobody is playing defense right now. And the funny thing is, is that watch the Giants and the Jets like put up somewhat of a fight against other teams and be like, oh, they were they were weak. The Niners beat them. But then like they'll beat some other good team later on this year and be like, well, I mean, like you still got to be whoever's, whoever's on your schedule. Speaking of which, we never did game balls, man. We forgot. Oh, do we still want to do that? Yeah, let's did do we that. Do that. Have we done that? We haven't done that yet this season, have we? No, we, uh, we did. I think we did. Yeah, we're, t- we're, we're terrible podcast hosts. <laughs> I don't even remember if we did or not. Uh, I'll just go really quick first. Uh, yeah. I, I guess my game ball uh, had a rushing touchdown. Uh, he had uh, over 100 total yards. So uh, fantastic. 31 yards rushing, 70 yards receiving, five catches. Uh, can't wait to him, uh, see him and D-ball on the field at the same time. Ayuk. I got to go with Nick Mullins because, again, and, and, and we talked about this earlier in the show, like just to have a guy come in like that and just at quarterback as your backup, run that offense because you lose your starting quarterback. That matters more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. And to have him come in and just play the way that he played and run the offense and steady the ship, that's the big thing that I think he did too. I just think I think that he steadied the ship mm-hmm. and you can't say enough about that. So I, I got to give it to Mullins, man. And again, if, if he plays this week, I am, I am absolutely good with it. I really am. I can't say enough good things about him. BDN, BDN, right? So that's sideways <laughs> into our prediction for this week, right? Yeah, I'm going to say Niners big this week. I'm not going to give you a score because I don't know, but <laughs> I'm going to I'm going I'm I'm to say Niners big. Uh, man, I think I think it'll be closer than most people think uh, at, at the end of the game because uh, Philly will maybe get a touchdown or something, make it close. But Niners should win this game. I'm going to say. Um, 27 to 20. Oh, uh, it's going to be that close, huh? But they'll score a garbage time touchdown at the end. It'll be like, I don't think it's going to be one of those where it's like, it's really in doubt until uh, like the Niners may have to recover an onside kick or something like that. But yeah. I think the Niners will beat them. That's all I care about. Win by one, win by 20. Just win the damn game. That's it. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. Sounds good to me. Also, your Lakers are on. 
They are. Ooh. I'm trying. It's funny. Like, all right. So, you know, I'm a huge Yankees fan, right? Yeah. Like normally we're recording now actually during a Yankee playoff game. Normally be like, Zane, I can't do it. I got to watch the game. Um, such a hard time getting into the season. It's just felt like exhibitions to me and I'm, I'm still watching the playoff games and I'll, I'll go back. Oh, I think it's actually a rain delay right now, but I'll go back and, and check it out. But I'm usually rocking like on, you know, the edge of my seat in a Yankee playoff game. It's just, it's just not there for me. Kind of feels the same way with the Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan, but the whole thing has felt like a weird exhibition to me. So I'm going to watch the game, you know, and if, if, love for them to win the championship, but it just doesn't feel real. But I will say about football, football does feel real to me so far. I don't know. It's because it has been interrupted. I don't know. It's just because whatever, but it does feel real to me. So that's been good because nothing else does right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the Stanley cup was handed out just a few days ago and nobody even cared. The, the Tampa Bay, what, was it the lightning that one? Yeah. Tampa Bay lightning won quote unquote, the championship again, a gimmicky bubble, uh, heavily modified version of it, but you know that's going to come with an asterisk. Just like when the Lakers win the championship, it will come with an asterisk because it's heavily modified. And we we went through this before too. But man, so here's going to happen. This is my prediction. And depending on what day you listen to this, it's going to be either completely right or completely wrong. So the Lakers are going to lose game one because that's what LeBron does. He always loses game one of every series because that's the oh, feel. You hate LeBron. You hate LeBron. Yeah, so this is this is the feel out game for LeBron, right? So LeBron, by the way, off the court, fantastic gentleman, like amazing father. He uh, stands up for human rights. I mean, fantastic off the court. So I don't want to make this like about like oh, uh, as a person, as a person, he's a model citizen, right? Like he's a fantastic role model as a person. As a basketball player, I can't stand him because he has to cry about officiating. <laughs> officiating, they they talk to the league about the officiating against the Nuggets, bro. It's the Nuggets. You you have the best team in the league. You have a, you have two of the top three players in the league right now. Come on, man. So, anyways, what's going to happen is that the Lakers are going to win the first game. Everybody will get kind of like, ah, oh, LeBron, he lost the first game, whatever. Then they're going to win the next four. It'll be the gentleman, gentleman sweep. So you get one, and then the Lakers will sweep them after that. Um, Anthony Davis will carry LeBron, and we're going to hear LeBron stands talking about how he's the goat and all this stuff. And com- conveniently forget that this will be like a heavily asterisk title and be like, oh, he's the greatest of all time and this and that. Um, and then that debate, that whole debate will go on. So that's, that's my prediction. It's going to either do he's- that or it's going to go to game seven. LeBron will shrink in game seven like he usually does. And AD will carry them to a game seven win. And then the Kobe story kind of comes full circle, which I do, honestly speaking, Al, I do kind of want the Lakers to win because of Kobe, because I'm a Kobe guy. Yeah, and I love Kobe. Kobe is, is, is too good. You know, if, if if they, they win, right? It's too good of a story. So, so LeBron's uh, going to have three and a half championships after this year. Yes. And what, 12, 12 finals losses? <laughs> finals <laughs> losses, yeah. Yeah. 15, and then the Warriors will somehow get into Antetokounmpo and beat the Lakers, and then they'll end up with like three or four more, and then we'll have that whole debate about Curry. They are going to get him, aren't they? He's going there, isn't he? He's, he's for sure going there, man. Like, he's, oh he's coming God. here today. He's coming. You know yeah. the thing too, like I, I Curry, look, Curry's a great Hall of Fame. Curry's an all-time great. Um, but he gets Durant to go there. He's gonna get at the combo, wherever the hell his name is, Gian- Giannis to go there. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I guess if you could do it, go for it. Um, whatever, man. Curry's gonna end up with like eight rings. <laughs> you know, but like LeBron has made a career out of this, right? Like, oh yeah, no, I don't. I'm, I'm thinking more in the Jordan level stuff. Oh yeah, um, nobody touches but, Jordan. Like nobody yeah, but LeBron, yeah, LeBron, I can't even. Did you watch and we probably didn't talk about this because I wasn't doing the show. Did you watch the last dance with with the Bulls? Oh my the god. The documentary. 
So, um, yeah. So I, I talked with a great length with Levin and stats about this when it came out. Oh, you did. Oh my God, man. It was so good. It was so good because I, I loved it. Really living in my childhood. So as everybody knows, I was in Chicago for a little bit, um, just to get a break from these fires and, and all the stuff that's happening here in, in the Bay. I'm back now. I just, I just, uh, came back last night, but, um, you know, I was, I was over there and it's Jordan country, right? Like, and for me, like I'm, I'm a sucker for bulls memorabilia and all this stuff. So I was buying all these bulls things and Jordans and all this stuff. And, and I wanted to go to the United center, but it's like COVID. So it's closed. But like, man, I'm such a big bulls fan from like my childhood. I like the warriors too, right? Cause they're home, you know, their hometown, but like I'm, I'm a bulls guy. I'm a Jordan guy through and through, man. Like it was so cool to watch. And a lot of people are like, Oh, it's stuff we already knew. But yeah, I mean, you're also rehashing a lot of stuff that we forgot too. And we were reliving our childhood for you. I mean, like I know that Lakers and Bulls and stuff that like, you know, it doesn't resonate as much, but like I, people forgot how iconic and important to sports, not only just basketball, but sports, Michael Jordan was like, you could go to a right. remote city in China before we had the internet, before we had social media and they would know who Michael Jordan was. You're never going to have that with another athlete ever. LeBron is great. Sure. But the impact that he has had on culture and pop culture and like just society in general, in terms of like being being present and being a celebrity, you will not see that. Yeah, Jordan gambled and he has his things. He had a divorce and all these things. Like, yeah, he wasn't the perfect person. I'm not talking about a humanitarian here, right? I'm talking about like a basketball player. When he stepped right. between those lines, I have never seen anybody have that sort of effect on every, the entire planet as Jordan did. And we were realized but, we were reminded of that. But dude, like it, it, I was all about it because even though I'm a Lakers fan, like in the '90s, you know, I was a teenager, right? I think, mm -hmm. yeah. So, dude, Jordan was everything, like you said, and I was a huge basket. I was way more of a basketball fan back then, and through Shaq and Kobe than I am now. But Jordan, what you said, was everything. I was so into that, and there were actually things I didn't know, like I didn't know, like in the flu game, that it was actually food poisoning. I didn't know that, and this is maybe because we didn't have social media back then. But when he won the championship. After his dad died, I don't remember which one it was, the second one or the third one, but they showed him like fall to the ground and he was like crying on the basketball. Yeah. Dude, that was a like, crazy, like, could you imagine if we had like Twitter back then and that was on there? That would have been like the most crazy thing in the world, right? Like, it was like so powerful to see that. I mean, and, and yeah, you, you don't get like he, Jordan, you might be able to make the argument, trying to think here, Jordan might be the biggest athlete of all time, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, I mean, we, you know, we weren't alive. Maybe we weren't alive. Certainly in our, our lifetime, I should say. Yeah, it's I mean, Jordan, right? Was very had had a similar impact for for other reasons. Um, but Jordan, like my God, like he hasn't played a game in 16 years, and his shoes still top the charts in terms of selling. They they they're they're near the top in sales. They're popular. Everybody has them. Everybody wants them. They're right. He's still a pop culture icon as well. Like, I mean, this this guy, like, he has that staying power that you've never seen before. Like, you're talking about like it, musician level, like Prince or Michael Jackson or like guys like like that level, which is crazy for an athlete. Yeah, and those like those Piston series and the Knicks series where they just got the shit beat out of them, right? Yeah. It's not like yeah. basketball now where you can, you're just nobody's touching you. They got the shit beat out of them, and it was like a war, you know. And even as somebody who you know, I obviously didn't like the bulls. It's just respect. And when you go back to look at, cause the NBA, maybe it, it's, it's just the old man and me talking now. I don't know, but the NBA was so much better back then. Yeah. So much better it's in the eighties and nineties and even the Shaq and Kobe years to yeah. me, so much better. 
Yeah, of course. I think that you had better storylines. You didn't have these guys jumping for super teams and stuff like that. Although Shaq did right. shooters, but you don't have this like the, the cheapness that comes with the NBA now, like where so much of it is, is is reliant on officiating and like, oh, what official do you get tonight and who calls more fouls? Like none of this matters, man. Like none of this should matter. You're the the reason why, uh, as an aside, the reason why I don't like NBA officiating the way that it affects games is that you're literally given points for a penalty. Like the NFL, they don't hand you a field goal for hitting your quarterback, like on personal foul, you don't get handed that sort of stuff in baseball. Like, all right, cool. Like, you know, they, they, uh, catch interference. You don't get handed a run for that. You just get the base. Like basketball is the only sport where you're literally rewarded points for the other team messing up. So I I think that that, that whole aspect of it cheapens it, but you know, back to the, the last dance part of this, when this was going on and, and obviously there's the beginning of the pandemic, everybody's inside ESPN, who I loathe for many reasons, but they released the documentary. So in, with such timing, that was like, number one, the only thing that, that were, where there was to watch, but the ratings were just massive. And it was one of the highest rated shows like ever, one of the highest rated documentaries ever, if not the highest rated, I think at the time. And social media was a buzz about this for like, it was what uh, ten episodes, right? So two episodes a night, so five weeks, or it was a month and a half. This thing that this thing went on for mm-hmm. those five and a half, six weeks, you would see nothing but Last Dance stuff, Michael Jordan stuff, every single day, every single hour, every single like blue check mark, Twitter account for sports, like whatever it was, you would see that, and it was like going back to those days, those nineties days where it was all Jordan all the time. It was going back to those days, and for me, it was awesome for like a month and a half. Relive my childhood, and it was fantastic. All right, now I want to go watch the Lakers game because it's on right now. Um, but real quick before we go, they're going to lose. We'll all get some hope. The people who dislike the Lakers will all get some hope, and then LeBron's just going to bury them, or AD, sorry, will bury them for the next four games. I'm going to win four straight. All right, real quick before we go, um, we talked about the defense. The Niners right now are actually second in total defense, 46 points. They've given up only the Colts. They've given up less. Really? Oh, I guess so. Um, total yards, the Niners are third. Only the Colts and the Steelers have given up less. The Colts have a good defense. I don't know. Okay, I didn't know that. I guess so maybe you just got to play the Jets and it helps. Yeah. And yards per play, the Niners are tied for third. Actually, with the Eagles. Oh, that's interesting for the defense. I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. We're still going to light them up. But um, point of it is, yeah, the Niners defense has been really good so far. So we're happy yeah. about that. Also, right, Zane. one quick thing. Yeah, go ahead. So um, I know we're going along here, but uh, I, I've started this new thing where I do uh, faithful check-ins. Uh, before the night before a game, and because I was still on California time in Chicago, it was much easier. But I'm back on California time now, and I'll have to maybe stay up or maybe I'll do a little bit earlier in the night. But I send a tweet out with people to to check in um, with where they're from, and it's fantastic. It's awesome. We get people checking in from Australia, from Iceland, from uh, like India, from China. It's unbelievable the amount of like brazil argentina like it's unbelievable the amount of fan um reach that this team has and it's super cool and like the last one so my deal is that like i'll try to i'll retweet as many people as i can and follow as many people as i can out of that last time i got 550 responses to that oh my god that's all i didn't see that when did you do that um so this is like it's like early in the morning like so basically like it was like two o'clock central time like midnight out here on the west at three o'clock in the morning for you but um, I'll be doing this like right before bed, the night before a game. I'll do a quick check-in. Um, I did it the first week, had a great response. Second week, had a great response. Third week, had even more of a response. It's a cool little tradition. I want to keep going um, just to kind of unite 49ers fans around the world. Um, there's conversations starting within the comments. of like, oh, you're from here. I'm from here as well. And like, 
it's really cool. So um, definitely keep an eye out for that. I will retweet as many as I can. Obviously, like you know, I you know during the game, I'm not retweeting or anything like that because I'm, I'm commenting. But um, yeah, check it out. Uh, join in the fun. It's just a fun little thing that we do, and we're gonna keep it going. That's awesome. I'll totally retweet that this week. Cool. Yeah, I didn't see that. I'm looking at your Twitter thing now. Yeah, tons of them. Wow, that's awesome. Cool. All right, guys. So look out for that. Look out for the Niners destroying the Eagles this week. It's my prediction. And let's go. Thanks for listening. Once again, Al Sacco, Zane Knockby, 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast. Go Niners. <laughs>